Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. Today on the Ether, Centauri Spaces, featuring Composable Finance and Say Network, hosted by Picasso. Let's take a listen. Hello, everyone. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. How are you? Hello, sir. Yes, sir. What's up? Sweet. Um, so I'm going to pass over the spaces to CryptoCito, who... I guess it doesn't need an introduction, but yeah, good luck guys. Um, I'll be listening in and if anybody from the audience has any questions, feel free to drop it in our discord telegram, or you can just reply to our latest tweet. Yeah. Thank you, sir. And welcome everybody. Um, we've got a nice one today. Um, well, first off, before we start, Atom is pumping, so that's good. I think we're all happy about that. Um, but we got a nice, uh, nice conversation today in the pipeline with uh, Branger, obviously, um, uh, from Composable. And we got Jay in the house, who is the co-founder of Say Labs, which is the core organization that's building the highly anticipated Say Network. And uh, I think we don't need to introduce Composable. I think like the, the audience mainly knows um, Branger and Composable. Maybe we can get in on a high level. But I want to start off with Jay. Maybe you can um, explain a little bit, Say is the first sector-specific chain. So what exactly do you mean by that? And maybe you can explain a little bit the architectural design on how Say Network is built. Yeah, absolutely. So hey, everyone. Happy Friday. Um, as CryptoCito mentioned before, my name is Jay. I'm the co-founder for Say Labs, which is the core development entity um, that is building the open source software that Say Network is going to be running. Um, so I, I guess a little bit about me and my background as well. So I originally studied computer science, got into crypto in 2017. And then afterwards, I worked at Robinhood for four years. And around two years ago, the entire GameStop saga happened. And that highlighted to me how lack of transparency is bad, which is why we originally got started building a decentralized Robinhood. So this was two years ago. Um, and it was essentially going to be an exchange. This led to us looking into every layer one, every layer two, and all the other infrastructure we could use to build an exchange. Um, and that's when we started noticing what we started calling the exchange trilemma. Um, so between decentralization, capital efficiency, and scalability, every exchange out there right now is only able to get two of the three, right? So if you look at Uniswap V2, it gets decentralization and scalability, but not capital efficiency. And Binance gets capital efficiency and scalability, but not decentralization. And we don't think that the solution to this trilemma is to keep iterating on exchange mechanisms. For example, going from Uniswap V2 to Uniswap V3. Um, rather, we think the solution is to do a rewrite of the underlying infrastructure. And this is how innovation typically works. Um, if you look at uh, the database industry, for example, 
Um, there, there's this concept of application infrastructure cycles. So you originally have um, some infrastructure that gets created, which leads to new types of applications, which then leads to new types of infrastructure that is needed to support these applications. So database industry, you initially had Oracle and other types of similar databases. This led to all of the web one and web two apps that we know and love today, um, all of which have essentially found product market fit that we're still using. And then now there's more and more specialized infrastructure getting created for these applications that have found product market fit. Um, for example, you have Databricks Warehouse, which is custom made for AI and ML. And we think that the exact same thing is going to be happening in blockchains. So we started off very general purpose with Ethereum. Um, this then led to several, over the past several years, all the decentralized applications um, that we've been using. And out of these, DEXs and stablecoins have found product market fit. Um, and now we're going to need more and more specialized infrastructure for these types of applications. So, yeah, I mean, SAIS mission is very simple. We want to build the best infrastructure for exchanges. And if we succeed, then the centralized exchange experience will be identical to that of the decentralized, or the decentralized exchange experience will be identical to that of the centralized exchange experience. Um, so I think your original question was tied also to this concept of a sector specific layer one. Um, so this is a term that say has coined. Um, and if you look at the distribution of layer ones that are out there right now, they basically fall under two buckets. On one hand, you have general purpose chains like Ethereum and Solana. On the other hand, you have application specific ones like Osmosis and DYDXv4. We think the design space in between is the most interesting. Not quite general, not quite general purpose, not quite application specific, um, but rather sector specific. And the reason this is interesting is because it gives us the best of both worlds, right? The benefit of general purpose chains is this idea of social coordination. So you have multiple projects that are all part of the same community and they're all helping that ecosystem succeed. And if you look at the top ecosystems out there, like the top chains by whatever metric, they're essentially all general purpose chains because the only way you can really hit scale is by having this ecosystem that only really comes with having a bunch of people that are all fighting for the same cause. Now, on the other hand, the main benefit of application-specific chains is customizability. You can tailor make every single part of the stack to give the best experience uh, for the type of application that you want to support. So the approach with the sector-specific chain is to just build the underlying infrastructure and have that be very custom-made for a specific sector, which in our case is trading and exchanges, um, and then help build an ecosystem by being incredibly neutral, not building any exchange or application yourself, and help build an ecosystem by having a lot of other applications um, make use of the underlying infrastructure. So that's the approach that we've been taking. And uh, so far it has been uh, very fun to just see everything come together in testnet. So we launched the testnet last year. At this point, there are over a hundred teams that have committed to building on say, um, out of which over 50 have already announced. So there's an ecosystem page if you want to see all of the announced teams on say. And there's going to be a mainnet launch happening probably closer to early Q1 of this year. Uh, I want to get back to, to kind of like the core um, and also the question, why did you guys choose Cosmos to build um, your, your chain on? Um, and, and maybe, I don't know, is it because of the, the sovereignty you have? Is it because of the interoperability? We all know Brainjar, for example, is an absolute IBC maxi and the biggest promoter of IBC, uh, and they're not even built on Cosmos. But uh, what is it for you that you said, we want to build on Cosmos, and were there any other ecosystems that you were exploring to potentially launch on? Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely considered everything. 
Um, when we started this journey, we initially, there are a few different approaches to be considered. Uh, the first approach was building a rollup. And at the time, like rollups on Ethereum were really the only solution. Um, the second solution was to make use of some kind of shared security approach. So maybe building on Polkadot or building it like an Avalanche subnet um, or even building a Cosmos consumer chain. And the last approach that we considered was building our own sovereign layer one. Um, so with the rollups, the fundamental problem is if you're building on Ethereum L1, you just cannot scale. Um, and the reason for that is rollups, they need to post data to the underlying layer one, right? So you have a bunch of computation that happens on the rollup, and then all those transactions are compressed and then written to the underlying uh, data availability layer, which in the case of Ethereum is the L1 itself. And this costs 16 gas per byte. And there's a target uh, of 15 million gas per block in Ethereum. So if you do the math, this comes out to be around 6,000 transactions per second that can actually be processed if all of the Ethereum block space is just used for rollup. And in reality, that's not the case, right? Like in reality, there's going to be Uniswap and OpenSea and other smart contracts being used on the layer one itself, which will be competing for block space as well. Um, and even prototyping sharding doesn't actually solve this. Um, we did the math and prototyping sharding actually comes out to be around 6.7 KTPS. So there's not really going to be any good solution until, even with dang sharding, like it's around 100 KTPS that would be the upper bound. Um, but first of all, that's not going to be launching in 2023. I, I would actually be pretty impressed if it even launches next year. Um, but even then, like there's still this pretty clear upper bound um, and it, it's just not necessarily going to be the best long-term solution. So that's why we didn't go down the roll-up route. Uh, the second approach was making use of shared security. Um, there, the problem there for us is we wanted to build the best infrastructure for exchanges. And one of the core components for that is having an extremely low time to finality, which requires having a customized validator set, customized consensus logic. And that's not something you can really have control over if you're sharing security. Like if we were making use of um, Polkadot, for example, we realistically would have had around six second time to finality, uh, which isn't like the best experience for exchanges. So that's why we didn't go down that route. And then we started considering what is the best way for us to build our own sovereign layer one. Um, and we decided that the Cosmos SDK was the best way to get started because it's extremely simple to get a new spe uh, specialized chain up off the ground. And it handles like most of the complicated stuff related to cryptography, cryptography, cryptography for example. Um, so I didn't need to recreate the wheel over there. And then it's extremely modular as well. So we were able to tweak underlying parts of it as we needed to um, when there were different types of um, problems that we started to see. So like one problem that we saw is that uh, we wanted to make the chain faster and then there was a bottleneck in the block propagation layer. So we were able to actually change Tendermint to improve the way the block propagation works, which helped us get improved time to finality. Um, the other phenomenal thing about Cosmos is IBC, right? You get this beautiful uh, data transfer protocol that's built into the SDK and built into the chain from the get-go. Whereas in other ecosystems, you need to be building these bespoke bridges or having these bespoke um, data transfer protocols, which makes things um, honestly a lot less safe and a lot funkier as well. So those are the reasons we went with Cosmos SDK. And so far, everything has been going very smoothly. Um, I, I think the biggest downside of building with Cosmos, right now at least, is that you have to use um, Tendermint. And Tendermint is phenomenal. The, the only downside is that the number of validators uh, with Tendermint is going to be lower than the number of validators you would get with a, another type of algorithm, for example, that uses probabilistic finality. Um, so with Tendermint, uh, you can't really get more than 200 validators because you need to have connections between all the validators. So I think that would be the biggest trade-off that you're making when you're making use of the Cosmos SDK.
Yeah, I think one of the biggest or most important things for you guys is to have high throughput and very fast finality, as you mentioned. And as as of my knowledge, I think the average um, block time in in, in uh, tenement-based chains is six to seven seconds. Um, I think as of now, FMOS actually got it down to two seconds. Um, what is the block time going to be in the, in the finality on, on say network? Uh, what's the latest numbers? And can you share any estimates on throughput? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're, you're exactly correct that the average Cosmos time to finality, if you're just using all the default settings, is around six to seven seconds. Um, so for folks that are listening in that might not be super familiar with it, time to finality is the amount of time it takes for a block to be both produced and then agreed on by the network. So if you have a chain with like probabilistic finality, for example, um, Bitcoin or uh, Solana, then you'll be adding blocks to a chain, but it's not finalized until a certain number of blocks have been added to that chain. So you might have a block time that's like in Solana's case, like 600 milliseconds, but it's not actually finalized until there's say six blocks that have been added to that chain, um, which will actually result in like a three points, uh, I guess 3.6 second um, time to finality if I'm doing the math right. So yeah, in, in Tate's case, we that was one of the biggest things we wanted to focus on because building the best infrastructure for exchanges means having low time to finality. Um, the reason for that is that exchanges are taking on risk whenever they're, or market makers are taking on risk whenever they're trading on exchanges. And the greater the time to finality is, the more risk that they are taking on. And that results in them having to quote wider spreads, which results in a degraded user experience because users are getting worse prices. So this is something we worked extremely closely with Zaki on. We worked extremely closely with Marco as well. So Marco is the product lead for Cosmos SDK. And in time to finality with Tendermint-based chains, there's basically three steps. Uh, the first step is the voting step. So you have to go through two rounds of voting between all of the nodes. Then there's also timeouts that are there. So after every step of voting, there'll be some timeout that the network gives for other validators to catch up. And then afterwards, there'll be the execution logic. So how long execution actually takes. Um, so uh, in terms of network round trip, there's pretty clear, like that is physically bound. Um, like if you have international validator sets and there's uh, pretty well documented uh, round trip times that you can't really get around. So that ends up being the slowest part of this entire process. Um, the second thing is around timeouts. So that is one of the changes that they made that actually helped a lot uh, by using more aggressive timeouts. Because if you have two thirds of the network agreeing on the state of the chain, then you can move on to the next block after a lower threshold than what the defaults on Cosmos are. So those are one of the changes that we made. Um, and then afterwards, we just substantially improved the execution layer by adding in things like parallelization. Uh, so we're currently the only Cosmos chain to be making use of parallelization of any form. And that's also helped speed things up uh, dramatically. Um, in terms of throughput, the upper bound that we've observed so far is 22,000 orders per second. Um, this was in the initial testnet. And in terms of time to finality, the lower bound we observed was actually 300 millisecond time to finality in the internal testnet. Um, but I think by mainnet launch, it'll probably be in the 400 to 600 millisecond range because the validator set will be uh, not using the most ideal circumstances uh, like we were using in the internal testnet. Is it accurate to say that say would then be faster than Solana? Oh yeah, what's, absolutely. Do you know yeah, what's say, their finality? And do you know that? Yeah, around three to four second time to finality. So when we launch, they will be the fastest chain to finality out there point blank. There we go. I also did a, a, a video that's actually coming out in uh, roughly an hour 
um, highly encourage everybody to watch it, where I also talk a little bit about comparing um, consensus between Cosmos, Avalanche, and Polkadot. And since you just mentioned how tenement works and finality is a big thing, um, Brainjar, you guys, as a substrate build chain, um, Polkadot parachain, um, as of right now, you you have the the Picasso chain live on Kusama, the uh, Polkadot slot. Um, you already have it, but the chain is not live yet. Can you explain? Because I, when I did my research, I saw that Polkadot actually has a very different approach to how they do consensus. So they have a dual consensus model where they split or separate the block production from the finality. Um, is is there any benefits to that? Um, over Tendermint, for example, and if so, why did you choose to 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 build? What was that like? One of the factors why you why you built on on Polkadot? Yeah, I mean, so like one of the major reasons. Um, so with Say's use case, like Say Say is like the the best exemplification of a really smart team coming in and like building a beautifully designed, architected, um, fast you know, uh, app chain with a sort of core use case that a bunch of other DeFi protocols can can utilize. Um, so a lot of customization is required um, like for that around the actual runtime itself. And the the other major consideration is like, you know, if you want faster block times, you can't live in a shared security environment, et cetera, et cetera. So, like that makes complete sense. And I really like that answer that you gave earlier about why you guys decided to build in the Cosmos ecosystem. Because my thesis really is that, you know, for things that are not aiming to be hyper-specific um, app chains, they can probably just be roll-ups. But for things currently where a lot of customization is required to actually make a difference for the user, like I do think app chains still make and will continue to still make a lot of sense especially for performance reasons now for us the there is a different consideration so we wanted to basically be um you know ibc everywhere so like how do we try to get ibc to as many different ecosystems as possible because what we're interested in building is you know a world in which people can use say as the back end but they're actually like ethereum users or people are using um you know people are on near but they're like leverage trading on both say and dydx <clears throat> so to do this you need a you know infrastructure that has because ibc's biggest flaw you know we say trustless bridging but it's trust minimized due to the fact that you have this problem of the honest majority problem. And so if you are trying to build a chain that's going to ultimately be connected to 10, 15, you know, 50 plus ecosystems um, over IBC, you would hope <clears throat> that maybe there was some serious benefits to, to that chain. Um, and you hope that that chain is like secure and has a higher sort of security guarantee than than other chains that it's connecting to um, for the most part. I mean, so we looked at Polkadot's shared security model and realized that like to try to mitigate this honest majority problem, 
made a lot of sense to, to be to be a parachain. Um, for us, the only component that we really looked at with respect to consensus was two things. Like, is it cheap for a Cosmos chain to verify um, consensus proofs on the, the Polkadot side? And once we determined that, that was indeed the case, that pretty much, you know, checked our boxes for, for you know, going in as a Polkadot uh, protocol. And the other piece is, is there a light client available slash can a light client be built for the ecosystem? Um, and, and that was also satisfied. So for us, it was a very different selection as to why we became a parachain. Um, we didn't really become a parachain because uh, we're trying to build like a, super specific app chain. I think we became a parachain because we wanted to use the significant uh, shared security available to try to at least mitigate the risk of the honest majority problem as we continue to scale, you know, to 50 plus Cosmos chains near Ethereum and, you know, as many ecosystems as we can possibly bring IBC to basically. Um, however, like, there's another piece to this too. The other piece is I'm also pretty bullish on substrate as a, as a mechanism for building uh, new blockchains. Um, I actually remember talking uh, to so many people in the Cosmos ecosystem. And I think reality is like, it really just comes to like rust versus versus go. Like if you like rust, then Substrate is probably a better framework for you to build a blockchain, although Larry is working on CW SDK, so we'll see you know, what comes out of that. Um, but yeah, I think like Substrate is a really great framework um, to build blockchains. Uh, Polygon Avail is actually a Substrate chain. I don't know if you guys, if you guys knew that. But um, there's a whole bunch of like chains that are, I think, going to be pretty important over the next few, you know, months and years in this ecosystem that like low key use substrate behind the scenes, but they just don't say anything about it. Um, the obvious, the obvious downside of like just using substrate is you don't get this like plug and play interoperability situation. But obviously, like we can give them packages. Um, to help them have plug and play IBC. Interesting, yeah. And I think when it comes to shared security, Polkadot is definitely the leader and pioneer with you know in the space right now. Um, Cosmos still has a lot to catch up with that, but it's coming. Um, but one of the core things that you guys are building at Composable um, is obviously Centauri, right? Which was announced a couple of weeks, weeks ago that you guys are now in the testnet and there's a couple of launch partners basically um, that are testing um, this this implementation. Can you explain maybe for the, for the audience that does not know what Centuri is? Um, basically it's an expansion to IBC, but can you exactly, uh, can you explain what, what exactly that means and what it unlocks? Yeah, so, you know, this isn't really like a new topic. So I think like a long time ago, you know, Zaki and the original sort of like um, thought leaders around IBC 
um, who wrote the initial IBC spec, Christopher Woes as well, they always believed that IBC would scale beyond the Cosmos ecosystem, but they didn't, nothing actually was built to let different chains with different um, stacks be able to utilize IBC. Um, and so we came along and said, okay, you know, for us, like everything stems from abstraction. Like, you know, I think Say is basically hyper focused on what is the best experience for traders. And for us, I think we're, we're taking it a step kind of like back and saying, what is the best experience for just users? Like literally just like giving an application to your grandma. Um, and then basically moving forward from there. I know it sounds funny, but that's the, that's really like how we think about things. It's like, what is the most optimal user experience for people to own their own money? And the answer to that is basically abstraction. And how you bring about abstraction is by getting best execution on as many different chains as physically possible. So what that means is bridging is actually important because um, this helps you aggregate markets. Like if we didn't have something like DTCC in TradFi land, we wouldn't be able to aggregate all the different markets that are executing your equity swaps, for instance. So when we try to identify, you know, how do you get all these different ecosystems to talk to each other? IBC was the, was, was really the only answer. I mean, you know, we've seen bastardizations of IBC, like uh, from layer zero. We've seen people set up trusted multi-sigs with a bunch of validators. Um, we've seen, you know, routing protocols, like uh, we've seen optimistic bridging. And, and honestly, like when, you, when everyone really asks themselves, in five years from now, is any of this stuff going to actually be around? I think the answer that no one wants to actually admit to themselves is probably not, especially if like larger players are coming into the space. Like nobody wants to use a bridge that has either A, rugged in the past or B, has a attack vector of getting rugged. I think at this point, IBC's trust assumption of honest majority is not one that should be hand waved away, but one that is at least more livable than, oh, I just trust these like two entities who are gonna sign transactions for me and custody my funds at one point. Um, so we then said, okay, how do we make IBC agnostic and this chain agnostic? And this involved then, and I'll pass it to Blas, our, our bridging guru, uh, who can explain a lot more about how we actually did this. Um, but essentially, IBC from the get-go only supported really Cosmos SDK chains. So we had to allow for, so all the different pieces of the stack needed to get redone. And actually there is, um, uh, you know, so that's everything from uh, light clients, that's everything from how do you interpret IBC on a Rust-based chain? That's the relayers in the ecosystem. Um, that's like uh, 
I could pretty much just go on and on. Changing the actual IBC Go repository itself, um, making light clients um, uh, available to be called by the IBC Go repo that are not necessarily just Tendermint light clients. So this took us basically a year to get to this point because this was a lot of work, right? And actually there was a article put out by Informal talking about how they're changing um, their Hermes relayer to adapt to the relayer that we've built. So you really had to like go into all of these core protocols and make them work for other ecosystems. Um, and so when we call it like Centauri, the only reason why we call this implement implementation of IBC or this extension of IBC a whole other name is because I still think to this day, people assume IBC is just cosmos to cosmos until people actually feel like see the reality, which is cosmos to Ethereum or cosmos to Polkadot or cosmos to near is actually possible. Then I think like, you know, there's going to be this kind of divergence in how people refer to the cosmos ecosystem, right? Like is the cosmos ecosystem IBC or is the cosmos ecosystem cosmos SDK chains? Um, and so like we just added a name to this just to say like, okay, this is cross ecosystem IBC to make it more clear that like, look, we didn't just like slap some, uh, some, some go code into a rust shim and just launch it like no 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 this this required us having to coordinate with like five different core teams in the cosmos ecosystem um to actually get this over the line and we had to basically start from complete scratch uh so so now i'm super excited to show the world and work with different teams on actually getting them wired up to these different ecosystems um and starting to have these types of use cases that i've just mentioned before like trading on say but you know as a polka dot user or even just bridging um dot assets over you know there really isn't much DeFi activity with dot and it's a it's a large uh asset like lots of different holders lots of tbl imagine that liquidity could flow into osmosis and say and dydx and and all these other ecosystems i mean that's that's just going to change the game and also vice versa right like imagine assets from these chains flow into uh dot sama and near and ethereum so so yeah i'm really excited to see how this actually evolves and the sort of social socio-cultural <laughs> implications of this as well Jay, uh, you mentioned earlier that IBC was also one of the big reasons why you chose Cosmos. Um, after uh, what Brainja just shared around Centauri, can you maybe expand a little bit on what a, you know what an integration of Centauri would mean for you and what type of uh, use cases that would unlock for you? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that was on our mind when we were getting started with building a new chain is how does liquidity actually come into the ecosystem? Um, like if you're building on top of Ethereum, for example, it's very easy, but if you're creating your own chain, then you need to set up all of the rails yourself to help get liquidity to the ecosystem. Um, and that's why we're extremely enthusiastic about Cosmos SDK and having IBC from the get-go. 
because that helps make that problem of getting liquidity early on um, a much simpler thing to do. Like the infrastructure is already there. Um, now you just need to figure out how to incentivize users and applications um, to start bringing on liquidity. That definitely makes the entire process easier. Um, now, one of the unfortunate parts of bridging if you're not using IBC is that it tends up being trusted in many different ways. And like uh, we've seen a lot of issues around those trust assumptions before. So having IBC support across other ecosystems would be a game changer. Like having trustless bridging, having trustless data transfer between say and external ecosystems would be massive in terms of the um, rails that we can set up to enable better user experiences and to make it better for exchanges overall. So uh, that's what I'm extremely bullish about for an integration, um, just having IBC support between say and other ecosystems outside of Cosmos. Um, yeah, to just make it for a much better uh, exchange experience overall. Um, Brainjack, can you talk a little bit about how IBC differentiates to XCM? Uh, Given Wood just announced uh, two weeks ago or something that the V3 of XCM um, is live, which is often kind of referenced as the IBC equivalent of the .sama world. Uh, how does that compare? And is XCM also in a position to potentially go outside of the Tatsama world or how does that work? I mean, so like XCM is fundamentally based. I, I think there's like a lot of people that will disagree with me about this. It is what it is. But the reality is like XCM exists within the Polkadot ecosystem because of the relay chain. Like, okay, let's just say that the Cosmos hub was sort of like this big shared security zone, right? And then let's just say uh, that it was able to also have sort of like all the channels for IBC lived in this, in this zone, basically. Um, the... And then also, let's just take it a step further and like describe how actually Polkadot works. The way Polkadot works is basically like on every chain, on every parachain, transactions actually aren't considered finalized until they're sent to the relay chain. And then the relay chain basically finalizes them. So essentially, uh, XCM is like, you essentially say, you broadcast a transaction that says, I want to do X on XYZ chain. And the relay chain just basically passes this message for you from, from one chain to the next. And because everyone is using the, shape, the, the same settlement layer, um, you have this like ability to do sort of like atomicity and, and stuff like that. All this stuff about shared sequencers and some of the stuff Saga is doing and it's like, this looks a lot like how the relay chain actually works. So XCM is as a direct result of um, this, this architecture. There's not like this, and that means it's not extendable beyond parachains. So parachains are not able to, to actually like, um, uh, like if you were to have like, Ethereum, right? You can't broadcast an XCM transaction from a parachain to Ethereum. Like maybe you would be using light client verification and then you use the XCM messaging format, but the actual XCM 
transfer protocol would not be abided by. Um, and that's also why people say that XCM is a more quote unquote secure protocol than IBC. Um, because again, everything is finalized and seen by the relay chain, but, but it, you can see the limitation here. The limitation is this doesn't scale beyond, beyond the parachain ecosystem. And so we still use XCM and the parachain ecosystem. But if we were going to go talk between a parachain, if we wanted our users to be able to talk to Ethereum or to any other chain for that matter, like XCM is not a viable solution. However, XCM is trustless. So like I, I would say like props to Gavin Wood and the Polkadot, you know, core team back in the day for actually like valuing this stuff. Right. Because they could have easily just said, oh no, it doesn't matter, just spin up a validator set and spin up a multi-sig and call it a day. Yeah. Uh, Jay, can you talk a little bit about the uh, your like from from Say's perspective, Sayneverse perspective? Um how you know what's the current stage? Um are you going to implement uh, Centuri? Are you already working on it? Um, and is there any other like interoperability layers or protocols um, that you kind of like explore to integrate? Um, and also what type of assets um, would then be uh, transferable between those um, those ecosystems? Yeah, so from state side right now, we are very heads down on getting code that is ready for, first of all, a new testnet. Um, and also getting something ready for the mainnet launch that will be happening around April slash May of this year. Um, so that is our overarching priority. Everyone is heads down on that to just make sure everything is stable before launching the Atlantic 2 testnet, um, which will have conditions that mimic that of mainnet. And then afterwards, um, aiming for a mainnet launch. Um, so in terms of integrating with Centauri, like we haven't started doing the engineering work around that. Um, that would realistically be something that happens after the mainnet launch. Um, we're just trying to only focus on bug fixes right now. And we're not trying to add in any new uh, functionality to get a stable version that is extremely battle tested before a mainnet launch. Um, and then afterwards, there's a lot of things that we're excited about, and um, Centuri would be integrating with Centuri would be one of them. Um, in terms of interoperability solutions, um, we currently have bridges that are built on top of say. So, I mean, essentially just smart contracts that have um, been deployed on top of say. And we haven't really built in anything into the chain itself at this point. Um, so there's generic IBC, which is being used for communicating with every single Cosmos chain. And then uh, there's bridges that add in connectivity to Ethereum, Solana, uh, Avalanche, and other major ecosystems. So I definitely anticipate that there will be more trustless um, interoperability solutions that are set up probably after mainnet launch. Um, so probably like Q3, Q4 of this year. So you said minute launch is set for for Q three Q four or April May or did did I misunderstand? So mainnet launch is set for April May, and then adding in support for other interoperability solutions yeah, okay. would be after probably a quarter or two after minute launch. Yeah, I mean, I think the most <clears throat> so like the the biggest issue for Centauri integration is it is um is both like the benefit at the same time so um. We, so if chains upgrade to IBC v7 and the latest version of the Cosmos SDK, um, this allows us to 
automatically support chains. They just really don't know it. And then we have to go spin up a relayer, basically. Um, so um, that like the only problem, right, is like obviously with Confio not supporting Cosm Wasm for the Cosmos SDK version 47. If chains upgrade to version 47, then there will be breaking changes, um, obviously. And so, you know, there's there are some things happening um, to try to mitigate some of these, like, breaking changes um, that we are trying to spearhead. But, yeah, like, the other route is there are, like, a couple chains um, for sure going to be... Uh, deploying this in the early days of launch and so just hopping from those chains to say um and back is definitely an option as well i mean that's the beauty of ibc doesn't have to necessarily be point to point from composable's perspective what's next in terms of integrating uh centauri um you also mentioned earlier so we already know obviously um cosmos and um near those are pretty much known. You already mentioned Ethereum earlier. Uh, how does that work and, and what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go too deeply into it until, um, you know, until we basically have a demo. But um, yeah, like this is, this is obviously our next focus, right? It's, it's the largest ecosystem, most amount of TVL. So um, this is, it's no secret that this would be a focus of ours. Um, so yeah, I mean, more on that in the future, but uh, I would just say stay tuned. Speak if true. There we go. Um, if there's any questions from the audience, uh, feel free to raise your hands. Um, otherwise, Jay Brainjar, is there any anything else from your side that you want to wanna touch on or do we cover everything? Um, last note from my side is for anyone that just found out about say that is interested in learning more. I mean, first of all, there's the say network, uh, Twitter that you can follow. Um, so I think say is actually one of the listeners right now. So you could just follow, uh, that Twitter account. And besides that, there's an, a fully community led, um, ambassador program that currently exists. So it's called Atlantis and there's over 2,300 people that are part of the Atlantis program. Um, and it's. A very easy way to get involved with the state community. So if you're interested in getting more involved with state or learning more, um, yeah, follow the Twitter. There's a link tree over there, and then you can potentially get involved with the ambassador program as well. Yeah, and also we did an interview roughly a month ago, um, so that's still quite quite accurate. And uh, everybody that wants to uh, listen to that, just type in Say Network Cryptocito on YouTube, and you will find 34 minutes of fire content around Say. Uh, Brainjar, what about you? Is there any anything else from your side you want to talk about, touch upon, or? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I'm really excited. I think the um, I'm really excited to be you know trying pursuing this with the, all Cosmos chains, and I think say as this really focused value proposition is is a really interesting, a lot of really interesting use cases of XCVM. Um, become possible due to infrastructure that say provides um and i think that's that's really exciting i mean 
you know, there's uh, there's all different types of DeFi protocols deploying on say, and I think the, you know, this idea of users from Polkadot or from other ecosystems being able to, to you know, send a message over IBC to Osmosis to perform a swap, grab those LP tokens, go to say leverage yield farm and, and, you know, do whatever else they want in the ecosystem. Uh, I think is just going to open up a whole new sort of possibility for, you know, what cross chain DeFi really actually looks like. So I'm really excited for Say's mainnet. Um, and I think a lot of interesting use cases will be unlocked as a result. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm also very pumped for interoperable DeFi. And I was just reflecting, um, this is for the, for the class of 2017, this is our seventh year in crypto that is just starting now, if you got in, in, in January at least. And back then we literally had nothing, right? It was just Binance just launched. Uh, we had some centralized exchanges that were all understaffed. So you couldn't even use centralized exchanges. Um, Ether Delta was still a DEX back in the days. <laughs> it was just horrible, uh, to be honest. Um, and now we're talking about trust mitigated, trust minimized, interoperable DeFi protocols that are liquid. Um, we're talking about um, fast finality, super lightning fast uh, networks out there with Say Network that's coming up and, and many more. So it's insane what, what happened over the past years. And I think it's just the beginning. So very much looking forward to the next seven years. Guys, if there's any questions, I see we got Gasney here. Uh, Stixito account is in the house. Maria is here. Does anybody have any, any questions? Um, otherwise, I think we can wrap it up. Um, there's also, by the way, an interview I did with Brainjar. Also my YouTube channel, you can watch that also from around a month ago. Um, so we talked for nearly an hour. All things Picasso, Composable, Pablo, Airdrops, if you want to listen to that, I uh, highly recommend. Uh, I don't see any hands raised, so I think we can wrap it up. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Jay Brainjar, um, it's been great talking to you, and we'll see you another time. Take care, everybody. Awesome. Thanks for having us on. And yeah, thank you for joining everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Centauri Spaces, featuring Composable Finance and Say Network, hosted by Picasso. Recorded on Friday, February 3rd, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support, man. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. I'll aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Plink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded
another shade and line them up Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal? I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.